Welcome to the Hill Black Joy podcast presents Soul Food in War. I'm Lola Troy, the host and curator of Hill Black Joy, the learning platform for our community to heal our Black Joy with tangible and attainable programs for the mind, body, soul, relationships, and businesses. And in today's conversation, we are talking about friendship trauma. Today, my guest is Damon Avenger. He's a licensed social worker based out of New York. We have 12 years of experience as a therapist working with children and families. He started off as a verbal play therapist and transitioned into psychotherapy. Damon currently works for the city of New York as a counselor, providing workers and their families with clinical help and referrals to other services. He also works with HeartShare St. Vincent in their Article 31 mental health clinic as a therapist as well as with the Youth Justice Network as a transformative mentor working with young adults with a criminal justice history. Damon also has developed the the socio-emotional coaching movement to assist individuals who look for coaching, help with managing their emotional development and intelligence. We don't talk about friendship trauma enough. I want to give the disclaimer, though, before we dive in, some of the information might be triggering. <laughs> if you need professional help when it comes to this trauma, we have resources of therapists that we can refer you to. Um, but I definitely want to you know, put that disclaimer out because we're talking about trauma all month. We talked about spiritual trauma on last week this week is friendship trauma next week it's work trauma and then the last week of may is going to be financial trauma so let me just talk about friendship trauma for a for a second friendship trauma is a real thing i have been fortunate enough to have really really good good friends but i can say and i'm sure like most of you guys know you might have had some doozies of acquaintances, you know, people that have not necessarily been the best friend to you. Really crazy experiences, I would say. Um, But what I will say about it is that after I experienced some of the friendship trauma, I was very, very, very closed off to, to meeting new friends or having new friends, right? When we go through those traumas, we literally will shut ourselves down. So I was like, Drake, no new friends, no new friends. <laughs> I didn't want any new friends. I was cool with my friends that I grew up with. I was cool with the people that, you know, uh, invested in me and I invested in. We had a level of reciprocity when it comes to the friends. And so... I just was not doing that. But what I will say is when I opened up my heart to having a friend, and I didn't even realize I wanted this friend. She doesn't even know that I'm going to talk about this really quickly. But I was on a project because I'm a healthcare IT trainer. And she was on the same project and we were both trainers. And we were all supposed to go to a trainer dinner. And when I met her, I was like, "Mm, she ain't my speed. Like, "Mm, I don't know. Crazy enough, she's from BK too, by the way. She's from BK. And she felt the exact same way about me, right? We just were not going to jive. For some reason, she and I were the only two people that ended up at the dinner. And we got to talk and it was just like, okay, well, we're here. We might as well like talk. We kind of shared in some similarities in our upbringing and our childhood, our beliefs and everything. And 
I can say she's probably one of my very best friends. And I've known her the least out of all of my friends. So I will just throw out there, you guys who are not really open to no, to, you know, you have that, that, that moniker, no new friends, don't block your blessings because you might have one of the best friends of your life comes later on in life. And it's intentional. You know, conscious friendship is intentional. When you're in your 30s and 40s and almost I'm knocking on 50s door, I want to be, be super duper intentional about the people that I'm around and that are around me that I spend my time with, right? So right. let's get into this conversation. Um, I did a post this week about signs of unhealthy friendships. I wanted to get your take on them. So first of all, tell me a little about, a bit about your friendship journey. Do you have really good friends? Have you had some moments where <laughs> you were like, uh, I'm cool on, on them? <laughs> <laughs> Um, damn, I don't know how much to share about, I've, I've got some great friends, and I have some not so great friends, but once you're my friend, you're my friend forever, but I may not mess with you so much, but you're still my friend forever, so there's no bad blood between us, just, is you always good, how you doing, everything good, all right, cool, but I've had some really good friends, like one of my closest friends, like you said, we didn't like each other from the very beginning. But that probably is a lot of my fault because I'm a trash talker. I play ball, so we talk trash to each other. Yeah. And but that's like my closest friend and my brother. Like when I'm on some bull crap, I don't call him because he could pick up on the signs and he'll try to talk me out of it. Mm -hmm. And he's like one of my really closest friends. So, but because um, as a kid growing up, I moved around a lot. So I would have a friend for one year, then we moved to Wales, and I lost that friend. I had to redevelop a new friend. So mm -hmm. making friends for me was. It's easy, but it was hard because the attachment of losing friends and having to start all over again was really tough for me. So, like I said, once you're my friend, you're my friend forever. Right. So, and then, you know, and then being one of the oldest, my cousins was my friends because, you know, we grew up together and stuff like that, sleepovers and stuff like that. So, I've had good friendship journeys. Didn't have some, like, I have a friend that when people say to hear that me and him don't talk, they'd be surprised because we were so close. I think yeah. then it happens, you know, he's still my brother, but he just <laughs> is more Cain and Abel than um, Abel and Abel. It's unfortunate, but, you know, sometimes people outgrow each other. Yeah. And it's never really easy when a friendship ends, right? So you might be the one to decide to end it, or maybe your former friend decided to end it. The friendship might have been toxic or codependent. Or it may have been totally fine and wholesome, but you just might, you know, kind of drift apart from one another. And that happens. You know, sometimes you got friends that are in for a season, a reason, or a lifetime. Luckily enough, fortunate enough, I have friends that I've had for a very long time, and I'm very grateful for that. But I read this quote, and it says, your heart nor your brain can tell the difference between a romantic or a platonic relationship. Sometimes it's those friendships that hurt the deepest. What do you think about that? <laughs> That's deep. the first part was deep enough alone, but um, and it's true because like um, unfortunately uh, um, you know how you meet someone that you want to be your friend, and the next year you develop romantic feelings, and next year things go bad, and now you lost a friend, and you know it's like it's damn, but you know the heart don't lie, but sometimes our brain has to talk our heart out of doing something that's going to destroy situations because sometimes we're not ready for that friendship to go to that next level so 
you know, it's like the brain and heart never can, um, can, can agree. And they're always at odds. So let me ask you a question because I don't, you know, I, and because I'm a female, I don't know this about men, but I know female, we experience those relationships with our girlfriends that sometimes it hurts worse when you f it, your friendship ends than it would be if you were in a relationship with a guy or a relationship <laughs> with even if, with the female of you know if you're you know of the LGBTQ community right yeah. um, I don't know do guys go through that as well oh uh, I said not to look because see women share stuff on a deeper level than what men would share mm. with their fr with their male friends because like um even me. A lot of my friends, like growing up through the years, I hide so much of who I really was to my friends because everybody's not on the same. Uh oh, we we lost them for a second. Let's see if we can get them back. Well, while he is trying to come back, I hope you guys are seeing our are sending this out to your friends. Let's see what's going on here. I just wanted to wave and say hey to some people. I don't know if it's happening. Let's see if I can get them back. Hold on, you guys. Instagram doesn't want us to be great tonight while we're talking about friendships. <laughs> That is one of the most volatile relationships that we could have. It's one of the most rewarding. It's just like having a child. It's one of the most rewarding relationships that you can have, but it's also one of the most expensive relationships you can have because it tests your patience. It tests your um, ability to love. It tests your ability to trust. It tests your ability to, to do all of those things. Let me see if I can get him in. I sent him an invite. <clears throat> I hope you guys are having a wonderful night thus far. We're going to see if we can get him in. Put in the chat for me if you guys have experienced a friendship trauma. Let me know in the chat. I just want to see if, if you have experienced a friendship trauma. There you go. I'm sorry. I'm at work and it got terrible reception in here. <laughs> we got you in and you're sideways for some reason. Yeah, I can hear you now. <laughs> 
Or things like keeping foreigners like Korea out of this country. When things like shoot healthcare and schools. Oh, sorry. <laughs> Good evening, everybody that's that's speaking and sending us messages while we get his his uh internet going for him. I can now? see you. I see you fine. I can hear you too. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> Oh, oh, sorry. I'm trying to make this work. <laughs> okay, it's okay. We'll 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 make it do what it do. <laughs> so, <clears throat> you were talking about men not really like you said that you didn't really kind of open up yourself to your friends. So right. men don't necessarily, and I don't want to speak for or say put a blanket statement and say that all men are not as you know, connected to their male counterparts or their male friends. Because I think you guys have a different type of friendship when it comes to your homies and your homeboys than females have with their good, good girlfriends. So, like, can you explain from a male point of view, like, what it looks like if you did have that really good friend and if you did experience the friendship trauma, what does that look like for a male, for a man? For men, it's because... We, we don't open up and trust so well. And, you know, if we share mm -hmm. certain parts of our life with a person, it's like like if you share with your friend that you used to pee to bed and to, you know, say you have a fall now or, you know, as guys like to do, we crack jokes on each other and you, they mention that in front of people, that's a hurtful thing. And then you're like, I'm never telling nobody anything personal about me ever again. Now, I had to use something extreme mm -hmm. as that because... There's some, everybody has had a different traumatic upbringing experience in their life. So if you have a friend that you're close enough, you can share that with, and they use that against you, it hurts. And, you know, and then you like this damn, you know, and yeah. then, and like a, men fall out <laughs> for some of the stupidest reasons. It'd be either money over females, you know, because you have friends that show up in front mm. of other girls or you like a girl and your friend them taking the girl from you and stuff like that. So I'll fall also be over something, you know, and it's like, I'm not going to say love, but women come between men all the time and break up friendships mm -hmm. and something to that effect. Do you hear that ladies? That is an interesting <laughs> fact because I was, you just mentioned two of the signs that I uh, put in a post about, um, Un signs of unhealthy friendships and I wanted to get your take on them and one of them that you spoke of was um, <clears throat> they make fun of you but not in a friendly banter kind of way they're passive aggressive towards you and they make you feel bad by criticizing you so they kind of put you down that is like yeah. a sign of an unhealthy friend but you might have that person that literally cracks jokes on you or you know, puts you down in a certain kind of a way. But deep down inside, you kind of like, do they really feel that way about me? Right. Yeah, and, and sometimes they do because, like I say, you, you have something that they don't have or, you know, it's, it's something about you. And it's like, it's unfortunate. And, you know, it's like, because everybody has different masks that they wear and that's part of their personality. So they can't be who they are without... I say they feel that your light is dimming their light. 
But is that really about you or is that more so about them? It's always about them. It's never about you. <laughs> you know, because if you have the ability to put me down, it's like, I feel in that instance, it's like there's something about you that you don't feel confident about yourself that you got to take it upon yourself to put me down. And I'm your friend. Right. You know yeah. what I mean? And, you know, it's like how you say, the only person that can really hurt you is the person that you care about and you love the most mm -hmm. and you trust. Mm -hmm. And, you know, so for men, it's hard to trust others because a lot of times our trauma comes back from childhood, which is secure attachment because even the mother or the father, someone said, oh, I'm going right. to come pick you up. You know, pick you up. Now you can't trust too well. <clears throat> and, you know, so, so when your friend does that to you, it's just a reminder of what you experienced earlier in life. And a lot of times you don't want to go through that ever again. The other thing that you were talking about is, um, just the the when you have friends not being able to trust them. So one of the signs was you feel like you can't trust them with your wins or with your losses. They don't or can't hold space for you when you share your dreams, your desires, your thoughts, your needs, your goals. If you can't share that with your friend, like your good friend, who are you supposed to share that with? Because a lot of times. Sometimes friendships are stronger relationships than the relationships that you have with your family. Right. Right. And yes. so you use those, that, that, that group of people, your friends or your, I call them family. Cause I say friends and family and I put it together. Those are the people that you bounce your ideas off of. If you feel like you can't trust them, what is that about? Like they're giving you some reason to not, for you to not trust them with, with their, with your stuff. Right. <laughs> There's a lot of times it'd be those little microaggressions that you notice and you'd be like, oh, wow, I just said something that was positive. But he said, they said, body language doesn't lie. Facial expressions doesn't lie. It's, you catch mm -hmm. these little microaggressions. It's like the small smirk. And you're like, damn, are they, are they genuine? Or are they not genuine? Or they make fun of my, my little achievement? Because like <laughs> everybody doesn't have the same goals and the same path. And sometimes when what you do and you achieve isn't what they want to achieve and do. And they feel like, oh, that's too much work or that's a waste of time. So they downplay what you did because they were unable to do it or they don't want to do that. And it, it makes they try to belittle you to make you seem smaller. So it feels like you're too far ahead of them. With and you, and, and and you know, one of the, the most common, uh, the most common of those comments that they say oh i see you with your little business you got going on no it's not my little <laughs> business it's my big business let me, yeah. let me boss up on you real quick it's not my little business it's my big business <laughs> because i feel like when people when they try to belittle you in your achievements it's like if i'm your friend i want to see my friends win absolutely because if if they're winning and they're really my friend, my friend is looking out for me. I'm looking out for my friend. If I'm winning, I'm trying to bring everybody along for the journey. I'm not, I have no qualms in helping the next person out. Like, I'm going to give you the shirt off my back. I'm trying to help you figure it out. Whatever it is that I can help you get to the place that you need to get to in life, I'm going to be your biggest cheerleader. So if your friend cannot be your biggest cheerleader and support you, in that season when they're winning, but you might not necessarily be winning, then th that's something that you got to really resolve within yourself because either it's envy, it's jealousy, you know, you're hating on them, 
And that's something that you got to deal with on the inside. I want to see everybody win. Like, I'm right. like Issa Rae. I'm rooting for everybody <laughs> black. <laughs> Me too. Like, I'm you know what I mean? Black. Like, I'm trying to see everybody win in this season, for real. Because we've experienced so much trauma. Like, it's time for us to win. It is time for us to win. Yes. Yeah. Like, so much of who we are is based on trauma. We're born into trauma. From the time when we conceived to the time when one parent told the other parent that they're pregnant. And then, and then we're wrapped in poverty and trauma. So those are the two things that are either holding us back or pushing us forward. So, you know, it is post-traumatic growth, it's post-traumatic stress. Sometimes. Let's, let's ahead, talk about the psyche of that, though. Let's break that down because what happens is we've experienced this trauma in our childhood growing up within our in our families or whatever. Then we get out into our adulthood and we're, let's say, working in a job or whatever. You see another brother, you see another sister, and they're excelling because they're focused. They're on this journey of excelling and, 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 and achievement, right? But there's something inside of the psyche of a person that has experienced trauma and poverty that they don't know how to celebrate that person who's on that pathway of achievement. Right, because they feel Why like... Why is that? It's, it's, it's that competitiveness, and it's just that... Um, trying to use the proper words. It's just like, when you grew, say you grew up in a family where not, not a lot of love was being spread around because it was parents being busy or a lot of siblings in the household. So you feel like you're competing for a love and affection and attention. So that translates into your personal life and your professional life. And so people understand you're only competing with yourself and who you were the day before and who you're going to end up becoming. So like you said, your shine is your shine. That's the path that you worked on. I can't be upset with you for the work that you put in that I didn't put in or the time that you took to become who you became. So some people want, I say they want the glory without the work. Mm. And so they'd be envious and jealous of some other people's success and be like, damn, why couldn't it have been me? Because it wasn't you. Like I always tell people, it's not your turn yet. When it's your turn, it's your turn. When it's your time, it's your time. No one can take that away from you. What God has put up for you is definitely for you. So so many people can't put that in their head because from birth, they're competing for a little bit of the time and affection they can get. And when someone else skyrockets before them, they're happy, but they're more envious and upset because, damn, it should have been me. Why not me? So some of this, matter of fact, all of this trauma that we're talking about in friendships, you guys, is stemming from your childhood, whatever your family model was. So there could be sibling rivalry. There could be you competing with the person that you love the most who gave you life. That could be a father. That could be a son. That could be a mother. That could be a daughter. A lot of times, specifically with women, they're in competition with their own mother and they don't even realize, they don't even realize it. Their first right. bully was their mom. Yeah. <laughs> like that, um, the electric complex. You know, they compete with their mother for their father's affection. Mm. You know, it's like with the boys, it's Oedipus complex. Sons competing for their mother's affection. So it's, it's, it's always a battle. So, you know, it's like, <laughs> I'm not going to say it goes back to slavery, but it does go back to slavery where we was competing, you know, for master's attention and for mom. Okay. 
who was our parent at the time on the plantation's affection and attention. So we're always in a state of constant competition with one another for that, that carrot. You know, it goes back to the carrot and the stick analogy. Mm. You know, so if we're not successful or we didn't get, if we didn't get what we determined as being being successful, we feel like we failed instead of just like, oh, you did as much as you could. It, it wasn't a hundred, but it was a ninety. So some people, that's why some people have so many um, breakdowns because they didn't succeed at the level they high expectations and sometimes unrealistic, unrealistic expectations they place on themselves. You know, and that stuff would break your psyche. And that's why so many people have nervous breakdowns and high suicide rate for people that go to these Ivy League schools and these prestige universities because they put stuff on themselves that's too heavy for them to carry. But it always goes back to childhood because you didn't get the affection that you wanted from your your parents because you didn't do as well as maybe your brother or your sister or someone else in the family or someone that they knew from the neighborhood. It's mm, an ugly cycle. It's an ugly cycle. So all of the traumas that we're talking about, you guys, even the one that we talked about last week and the one that we're talking about this week, it stems from your upbringing. So if you have not done the work, you guys, I would encourage you guys to unpack whatever that is, whatever that trauma is in therapy. And like I stated before, when I gave the disclosure, we definitely have a network of therapists um, that are connected to Hill Black Joy. I can point you in the direction of whatever it is that you need to deal with inside of yourself. Because I can, I can say, I, I, I feel like, and my friends would probably say this, that I've been a very good friend. But there might have been times where I wasn't a good friend. And it wasn't because I, it wasn't because of my me not being genuine or loving them or not being loyal or anything. It might have just been I fell off because of things that I might have been going through or, um, you know, just just life happens. And a lot of times real friends understand when life happens, you're not going to necessarily just be right there to call them every single day. I don't have to call my friends every single day. They know that I love them. They know that I care about them. They know if they call, I'm coming running. They know this. So that's how your real friends are. Um, another unhealthy friendship sign is your friend constantly ghosts you or doesn't include you or they don't respect your boundaries. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. This is big. This is a big one because... I've noticed this and I've, I've had this with coaching clients and I've had this myself. I've experienced this myself where you think you're friends with a group of people. And let's say, I'll give you an example. I was, this, these were my, I shouldn't even say this, my work friends. We all would go <laughs> and do karaoke for whatever reason. And then all of a sudden, after a good month or two of karaoke, Everybody gets invited to karaoke, but I don't get invited to karaoke. You you out singing them. That's what that is. <laughs> well, I am a singer, but I try <laughs> to not out sing them. <laughs> I try to just give them the karaoke voice, right? But it's like you feel isolated. You feel like, oh, you really don't want me to be there. It's hurtful because it's like, we're having fun. We're, you know, we're, we're, we're trying to hang out. We're trying to enjoy and let our hair down on a Friday night. And here you are. You don't want to invite me. And then 
we all come back together on Monday morning and we got to go to work and everybody is like, hey, what's up? What y'all do on Friday night? <laughs> And then everybody don't, nobody wants to talk about what they really did because they know that nobody invited me to karaoke. I'm still, yeah. a, I'm still a little salty about that. <laughs> and you had the right to be because y'all had a bond and you thought it was something different. But like you said, they ghosted you, which was unfair. And like, and unfortunately, <laughs> I'm stereotyping, I'm generalizing. Black people, um, we're habitual line crosses. We never respect other people's boundaries, especially our friends. And we, you know, we 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 push too hard, and we push too. We, we sometimes we violate space and boundaries because sometimes it's out of caring, sometimes it's out of you know, bullying. Because we're so used to getting what we want and, and trying to force our our um our impressions and what we believe on others. So let's and, talk about that for a second. Let's talk about boundaries yes. for a second. <laughs> boundaries has been a big thing on Hill Black Joy. We've had a boundaries coach on here a couple of times, a few times. Uh, Damian McGee, I, I call him my resident boundaries coach for Hill Black Joy Tribe. And we talk about it in the sense where, you, just like you said, Black people don't understand and they don't know boundaries. What are some of those boundaries that we cross the line with when it comes to friendships? Sometimes our friends be in our relationships with our significant other and be all in our business. And it's unfortunate because sometimes we share too much with our friends, you know, and then get mad when they have an opinion. You know, and it's like, come on, you know, but you know you should know what to say and what not to say to your friend. But you feel like you have that relationship but sometimes some things you shouldn't tell. Your business is your business. You know, and then um, sometimes they don't respect when you um, say, I need some time to myself. And sometimes it's a good push-in, but sometimes it's a push-in that's unnecessary. Mm. I, I, have, uh, I see a comment where it says, the friends who expect you to invite them to everything and they look to you for entertainment but rarely or never invite you into their other friends' spaces. Yeah, that's a big one. That's absolutely a big one. Um, someone said, I'm out singing everybody. <laughs> <laughs> I know that's right. I know that's right. Shogi Soul says, sometimes we don't realize how bright we shine, every, how bright we outshine everybody. They don't, everybody don't like the sunshine, unfortunately. That is very, very true. Most of the times we don't respect the boundary of someone just being a work friend. Um, yeah. yeah, I think I think there are categories of friends. You know, you got your work acquaintances and then you have your real crew of friends that your sphere of influence, the people that you're around and you 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 can tell when they're just your 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 work friend because there's some things that they just don't know about you. Like they, they might not know your nickname. <laughs> you know what I mean? And I'll give you an example. I have a girlfriend <clears throat> who we started off as work friends, but we ended up being very, very good girlfriends. Like we've been to each other's homes, you know, graduations, the whole nine, right? And she has she has two names. <clears throat> she has two names. And so I called her, I called her by her initials. You know, that's what her family yeah. calls her. So I was like, what's up, PG? You know. And I said that at work one day, and somebody took the liberty of saying PG to her, and she was highly offended because she's just like, you know, 
that is not something that these people need to know. You know, need to know about me, and they don't get the they don't get the right to call me that. Like you've been to my home, <laughs> I, you right. get to call me that, but they don't get to call me that. So a lot of times, your work your work friends definitely will overstep their bounds, thinking that they're more than what they are. Um, let me think about. There's another one that I put up. Reciprocity. Mm. A lot of people don't know how to do that. Like, like I said, a lot of people are takers, not givers, which is unfortunate. You know, because um, they'll continue to take, and people who give gotta learn this to set limits and boundaries. Their word again, and sometimes we don't because we're afraid of them not liking us or them thinking of, of thinking of us in a bad way. Everyone, everything on your end is about giving and everything on that friend's end is about receiving and taking. They're takers and you're the yeah. giver. Um, I think, and I, and I was, I did a, I did a reel this week about taking accountability for the friendships or the acquaintances that I've lost when the friendship went south. And my accountability was recognizing the signs early. I didn't recognize the signs early or I didn't. I recognized them early, but I ignored the red flags in the friendship. And I stayed in the, in the friendship a lot longer than I should have. And what ended the friendship was connected to the thing that I saw that I ignored. Mm. So I saw it early, but I was just like, ah, uh, they're not going to do that to me. <laughs> and, and the sad thing is we know that, like you say, we know that, but we think, and we think that we're something special, something different that's not going to happen to us. A snake, I, I hate to say that, but please forgive me for even calling that person a snake. A snake is always going to be a snake at the end of the day. You know, you know, you heard the story about the snake and um, the toad. The snake was on the bank and then toad said, I'll take you across, but you got to promise not to bite me. So the toad, he said, okay, I won't, the snake told the toad, okay, I'll take, I, I won't bite you. They get halfway across, and the snake bit him. He said, I told you not to bite me. He said, I can't help it, I'm a snake. And he, they end up drowning. A snake is always going to be a snake, no matter what we could do. We, we, we just think that we got snake charm them and not get bit. But a snake charm used to get bit before you learned how to charm them. So you got to get bit a few times and realize you don't like that. Mm. Mm. And like I said, ignoring those red, those red flags came back to came back to bite you in the end, unfortunately. But probably it's a good thing because now you don't have that person in your life no longer. <laughs> and Tulip Love says we always have hope. Yeah, we always have hope, but do we always have hope with the understanding that, especially when you've seen those red flags? Are you saying having hope in the in the same relationship or? You saying I always have hope when it comes to new friends, because they have hope that they can change and we can help change them. And and the thing is, <laughs> we have we have everybody has this problem that we hope we can change a person or save a person. They can save themselves. All we do is be like you said, hold space and be supportive of them on the sidelines. Let them do their work, and then we can come in afterwards. Yeah, it's 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 almost like. Because you're a giver, you're having hope that that person is going to change. But it's the behavior that they've had for a very, very long time. And nine times out of ten, unless they feel super duper convicted about what they've done, 
You know, sometimes people have to get burned in order to realize and become self-aware that they are, in fact, the problem, right? Yeah. <laughs> a lot of times they'll turn it on you and gaslight you into thinking that you're the problem. And that's the other thing with, with you know, toxic relationships. When you tell them about themselves, you bring it up to them, they become defensive with you. Like, hey, I'm telling you, I'm pointing the mirror, you know, putting the mirror back on you saying, hey, you're constantly ghosting me or you're constantly disrespecting my boundaries or you're constantly putting me down. And when you put that mirror on them, they turn it and become defensive to, towards you or they start gaslighting you. Right. And it, it, it's, it's, this is one of my favorite. I use this with everybody. I, it's called title of my book. The question is, how much shit are you willing to eat? Explain that. That's good. Okay. We, we don't like the smell of stuff. Like, we don't like the smell of shit, but we're going to eat shit from other people. How much of it are you going to eat before you get tired of eating it? Woo! Mm. And, you know, and after, after you get tired of it, you're going to be like, damn, I'm tired of this. I don't even like the taste of this. We don't even like the smell of it, so you're going to keep eating it. So after a while, you say, you know what? You get smart. Like I said, you're going to have to get burned but one or two times before you realize that you don't like it. Pain is a much better teacher than I am. So once you get tired of the pain, you realize you got to do something different. And you do something different. But let me talk about this for a second. A lot of times you stay in relationships too long because of not having boundaries. And not having boundaries stems from your childhood. If you didn't experience boundaries growing up, and you didn't, and, and nobody showed you to have boundaries. Nobody showed you that it was okay, that you're worthy of having better relationships and better friendships and better romantic relationships, a better job, a better situation. You will stay in a situation, a friendship, a relationship way too long. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Because, because you weren't taught boundaries. Yeah, and then you get comfortable in it. And it's like, but it's also that trauma bond because this is all you know, and you feel like if you leave, you're doing something wrong, or you didn't fight hard enough to save the relationship. Let's but talk about you, trauma bonding yeah, for a second. Yeah, staying, yeah, in a, staying in a friendship or a relationship too long is based in you realizing or you not realizing, and you're, you're setting the norm or that standard is what you've experienced growing up. So it's toxic behavior. You grew up in a toxic environment. You trauma bond with another toxic person and then they're familiar to you because it's something that you grow up in and you're like, yo, this is my homie. They understand me. You know, yeah. we, we understand each other. What you're doing is you're trauma bonding with them because they grew up in a toxic environment too. Yeah, and that's all they know. They think that getting yelled at is a sign of love. They think getting abused or getting beat, you know, someone cares. No, they may care, but they don't care that much that they continue to do it to you over and over again. There's other ways of discipline. There's other ways of learning. You know, like I always tell people, you can learn by using your words. As we tell our kids, use your words. You can use your words until I get it. Okay, or you can demonstrate to me how I'm supposed to be and how I'm supposed to behave. So, like, if you grew up in a toxic family, like you said, you're going to bond with a toxic friend. And after a while, you're like, damn, this doesn't feel right. Because when you see, okay, if I give you dirty water, you're going to drink it. Because that's all you know. But if I give you a clean glass of water, you're going to look at it strangely and like this, damn, what's this? That's what you're supposed to always been having. And then once you drink it, you're gonna, you, do, you no longer want to want dirty water. You're going to want clean water. You've acquired a taste for something better. 
Right. Yeah. So that's what your friendships. Once you get a good friend, you're gonna realize, damn, the friends I've always had, they weren't up to up to speed. I need better friends. I need to make better choices. What is it about me that I gotta change? That I gotta acquire. I gotta bring different people and better people around me. So you start to look at how you behave, how you move, and what you accept. You know, and once you learn, once you learn, like they always say, if you know better, you do better. Once you accept better, you'll move in a better way, and you could your vibration is going to be different. You're going to attract good people to you. I was you're getting not ready to say that. I was going to say that when you are vibrating on a higher frequency, when you are vibrating in a space of love and above, and let's say you are vibrating from a place of peace and joy and love, then you start looking, not necessarily looking, but you are in alignment and attracting those things that are in a vibrational match to you. So right. if you are attracting something that is not a vibrational match to you, nine times out of 10, you, you're empathetic. You, you're an empath. Because a lot of times empath will attract things that are not vibrational match to them because they know, the, 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 the takers know who the givers are. And they're coming for you. Right. And like, I, um, I had this conversation with someone two weeks ago. Um, think about being light you attract good and bad. You have to decipher what you're going to accept into your sphere. You know, and then I'm, a, I'm not going to say I'm an empath, but I have a lot of empathic, empathic things. I attract all the wrong people to me. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know, I attract the good too, but part of me loves the wrong people <laughs> because I, that's what I know. But I can only take them in small doses now. When I right. was in my it's 20s, about boundaries. It's yeah. about having boundaries, understanding. In my 20s, I loved it. But yeah. now, close to 50, like, man, listen, I ain't got the energy. Right. Yeah. You're not going to yeah. be an energy vampire. You're not going to zap my energy <laughs> because yeah. I want to love people and I want to love people from, from, a, from a big, big place. Um, yeah. and, and, and that's the other thing. It's like, when you know that, you, you, can, you, can, you can say, hey, I can love you, but I'm going to have to love you from over here because <laughs> right. I can't I was say, be love you from a distance. This. I have to love you yeah. from a distance. And then also being a vibrational match and being in alignment with the people. Like when you were talking about that, that dirty water analogy is so good because it's like when you've acquired a, a taste for something greater, like clean water, when you had that crisp, clean water, what happens is now you're looking at the dirty water like, I was drinking this all along. How, do, how could I accept this when I, there's better for me out there? And how could someone give me this when there's better out there? Because now you have to question everything. They start questioning everything. When, do, when, do, when does one start realizing, hey, there's something out there? Because I think a lot of times in our community, because we grew up in those toxic environments, we a lot of times don't know that we deserve better. Yeah. So we don't seek it out because we don't know that it's there for us. Right. Because it's um, it goes back to trauma, to, to culture, and because everybody of, of, our, of our culture is not in poverty, but there's so much hurt and trauma in the communities that we live in that that's all poverty, trauma, and pain. That's what we grow up in. The culture is about poverty and trauma and pain. 
and that's all you know, and that's, if that's all you grew up in, your perspective has to change. And once you go outside of your community and your environment, you see different. And then you're like, okay, I'm going to come back and bring something different. But then you get ridiculed. Mm. Mm -hmm. Because you could take, I, <laughs> I could take you to the door, but you got to walk through it. And for some people, they're comfortable living in what they know. Right. And it's unfortunate. And it's, it's like you, I said, the first person is always going to be ridiculed and hated. And so everybody catches on and next, you know, everybody wants to do it. Right. How does one, because like I stated before, your brain and your heart doesn't know the difference between a friendship breakup or a relationship breakup. How does one, yeah. as a therapist, how would you tell a client how to get over a friendship breakup. Because a lot of times, you know, we'll experience these friendship breakups and we just keep going. Because that's another part of our trauma too. We don't sit in our stuff to heal it. We just right. keep going. Like, yeah. oh, we just, oh, that happened to me? All right, cool. Well, I'm just going to go with it and I'm just going to keep going. So we keep going. How would you tell someone who has experienced friendship trauma how to get over it. Like, what do they need to do? Do they need to acknowledge it? What is it that they need to do? Self-reflection. Because I always tell people, you got to ask yourself, what is it about me that attracted this? And what is it about me that accepted this? And what is it about me that I got to change that just no longer is who I am? Mm. Mm. And then, you know, facing yourself is, <laughs> I said, we don't like to face ourselves because we got to figure out the role that we played and what hurt us in our trauma. Accountability. Yeah, and, and that's a mother freaker right there for a lot of people. Yes, it is. Especially even, us. Therapy, even for me. Like, <laughs> when I mess up, I face it, but I run from it by working because I had to accept the role that I played in some of the stuff that I created. Ooh. So I can't face it sometimes. Ooh, can we talk about that? Because next week we're gonna be talking about grind culture. And I think a lot of the grind culture is rooted in the fact that we don't want to take accountability for the things that we have done that have not necessarily been right or to our best interest or to someone else's detriment, right? So we don't want to, it's like, like Tulip Love says, it's all the distractions. We will distract ourselves with things, places, people, you know, trips. We will do everything <laughs> but deal with our stuff. Yeah, because <laughs> I, I used to work seven days a week because I wasn't ready to face the crap that I created and, and the mess I made. I accepted it and said, okay, I'm going to have to move on. No, you can't move on that easily because someone's hurt. How uh, some stuff that you did. A few people are hurt by some stuff you did. You know, you can acknowledge your pain and what, you can acknowledge what you did, but okay, what are you going to do to change things? How are you going to make amends to the people that you hurt? And but I think a lot of that is learned behavior too because when I think about growing up and this is not just my childhood or, you know, my friend's childhood. I don't know people that are my age, like my friends, my group of people that I know. 
if we talk about our childhood, I don't know if we have we have tangible evidence of our parents like apologizing to each other, right? <laughs> it was like they might have been arguing one day and then the next day it was just like back to normal. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? No yeah. maybe they did it behind closed doors. We just never saw it where we witnessed it, where we saw, you know what? Or let's say we got into it with our parents or we did something where it was wrong and you know they chastised us but they never came back and said hey i need to talk to you about this you know maybe i blew up at you a little bit more it was like you want some cake <laughs> yeah you hungry <laughs> you hungry <laughs> <laughs> right so if we if we learn that model we become adults we don't want to take accountability for our stuff. So it's almost like we're doing the same thing. You're doing the same thing by avoiding whatever it is that you, you don't want to, to be held accountable for by working seven days a week. Yeah. It's just avoidance. Right. Yeah, definitely is. You know, and I knew then and I know now, but, you know, <laughs> it was like, yeah, but, you know, after that, you can make amends, but sometimes you can't unbreak the mirror. Mm. What are some other things that you would tell them? So you, you said self-reflection. What would be some other things? Um, change your perspective. Okay. So how you look at friendships and what they mean to you. And friendships end. Because sometimes we, we, we meet a person to make a person a better friend for someone else. Or a person mm. is supposed to be us, to teach us what a friend's supposed to really be, not what a friend, what we think a friend is. is. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Caribbean parents don't apologize. I'm sorry. Because <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I had a conversation with someone Caribbean and he said that the other day. It's so funny that someone else put that up. Yeah. But, you know, it's like, yeah. you know, it's like we have to grow in, in terms of our friendship. Like, it's like, when I was 18, my friends, we, my friends were all ball players. We all played ball together. And, you know, then we end up working the same jobs together or we went shopping together. I don't have that same, I ain't had that same, well, I, we still friends, but we, our priorities are different at 40 something and 50. Right. You know what I'm Some of us, priorities didn't change, they're to the left side, but we're still friends, but we just don't hang no longer. Right. So, you know, as your perspective grows and changes, you look at the world differently. You know, instead of buying Jordans, you're trying to buy condos, you're trying to buy property. Mm, exactly. So exactly. if you have the friend, you have the same mindset that they had at a different time. Like you got to grow. You can't be stagnant. You know the world doesn't stand still for us. We got to catch up with the times. So you got to change your perspective. You got to change how you look at things, especially friendships. I gave you three. I gave you three, right? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. I, I well, you you gave me you gave me self reflection. You gave me how do you you know you have to look at what friendships mean to you. Yeah. And then your third is. Um, <laughs> damn. Like I, I, <laughs> I wrote down exactly what I want. It's, it's stop, drop, shut it down. Stop what you look at as friendship. Shut it down. Shut down what you're thinking about. Perspective. Damn, I'm missing one. Oh my gosh, I'm losing my train of thought. But um, you have to... Also, model the friendship that you want. And mm. so people, like you said, 
your frequency is going to attract what you put out. Yeah. So if you model the appropriate friendship, people are going to like, oh, okay, I'm going to meet them at where they meet them where they at. So the person going to meet you where you're at. So that's what the friend is going to be. So if you model this behavior, they're going to say, okay, damn, we're going to do this together. This is how we are. So no one's above the other person. You know what mm -hmm. I'm saying? We're we both, <laughs> the analogy of a table, there's four legs on the table. I'm two legs, you two legs. Yeah. We're not uneven. We're balanced. So right. if you balance each other out, you're good to go. No one needs the other person more than the other. Right. I want to share this story with you guys, too. And it, and it goes to what you were saying about how when you were growing up with your friends, how you guys were buying sneakers, and now you're looking at property, and sometimes those friendships, you know, outgrow each other. Um, there was this sermon that I heard, and, and this, this, I mean, I, it stuck with me probably more so than any other sermon that I heard in, my, in the course of my lifetime, and that was um, when you have an astronaut, right? The astronaut goes into the to the you know their ship to go out into outer space and there's these boosters that are on the side of the astronaut the boosters on this i mean of the ship the boosters on the side of the ship are there for the purpose to propel you to a certain part of the destination right do they fall and, to the side and then the boosters at some point in the destination they have to come off Otherwise, they're going to make the, the rocket ship crash. So the booster's responsibility is to get you to a certain part in the destination. They just don't get you to the complete destination, wherever, that, wherever your destiny is, right? right? So those boosters have to come off. And he talked about how some friends are going to be boosters yeah. in your life. They will be there along for the ride and get you to a certain part in your destination, but they don't yeah. necessarily get you to that you're trying to do, be, and achieve in life. And if they don't come off, if you hold on to them long, too long, then they will make you crash and burn. And drag you down. They will drag you down for whatever reason. Maybe it's their belief. Maybe it's their, how they, how they you know, live their life. Maybe it's their, them being toxic. Maybe it's them, their mindset is not where yours is. And they can influence you because you start hanging with a person, you're definitely going to be influenced by that person. So <laughs> you got to be mindful of who your boosters are. Absolutely. There are some people that are going to be on the journey all the way to the destination. And there are some people that are not going to be on that journey, but they're <laughs> boosters to get you to a part of that destination. Right. So I like I always tell people, I use it a lot now. Um, it's a story. Sometimes that character stays in your story for the whole time. Sometimes they just they have a small role. Sometimes they just a person off to the side that doesn't have a talking part. But you know, there's nothing bad about that person. Just did their role in your story ends at some point. Yeah. You know, it's like there's some people in your story who are villains and people who are heroes. I, I know I'm the villain in a lot of people's stories, but I'm also a hero in a few people's stories. Mm. And I also have a role where I don't have a talking part in a lot of people's stories. Mm. Because my place in their life was just for what it was for so they can go the way they have to go. And that's how it is. There's no hatred. There's no love, love, love loss. But that's just my role. My time is up. Right. Right. So we are right here at the end. It's in Stogie Soul says, and sometimes 
they get killed off before the movie really begins. <laughs> 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 That's, so That's so true. That's so true. That's absolutely true. Um, what are you working on, Damien? What what can we what can we look forward to? You 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 guys, you gotta go, you gotta go uh follow his page because he puts up the most incredible uh, shocking! I, I, you, you're like the sh what I call the shock job. You put up <laughs> posts that will like a gut punching sometimes. A lot of times it's just yeah. real, you know, real cool stuff. But then sometimes you just like, did he just put that up for real? Like he's really like knocking me in the head with this one on today. So please, you guys, I pinned his his uh, IG on in this. I want you to go and follow his page because he's always putting up really good information really good content. What are you working on that we can tune into and invest in? Right now, um, I'm, I'm part of the ACES Matter movement, trying to help people um, talk about ACES. Um, I bet, oh my God, our adverse childhood experiences. Um, uh, like I said, I'm working on a book. Um, how much are you willing to eat? The story, but the thing is, it's about brokenness in men. Mm. You know, men, men, men love to give relationship advice, but we don't talk about how effed up we are and why we are the way we are and how we end up messing up relationships. <laughs> so, but like I said, if we could point out, point out who we are and what we've done wrong, then, you know, we could help relationships grow because, it's always, like I said, it's always about accountability. You put the mirror up and you can see where, like I said, everybody has a mother wound or a father wound. Yeah. You just want to acknowledge it as such. Yeah. Sometimes it's like, my father wound is I'm a high achiever. I, I work and I do as much as I can. And but that also makes for me being a bad husband and an absent father at times because I'm always working. I'm always trying to save somebody else. Mm, mm, and sometimes mm. my family gets put to the to the to the wayside. Yeah. But that's that's my father wound. Mm. <laughs> you know. And so but that's that part. I'm also working on something with my cousins. Um called um, restorative intake process it's a book on a technique that we can use to help improve our community and ourselves at the same time restorative justice is a technique that was used for help victims and offenders mend the relationship between each other and see how one behavior impacted the other behavior and stuff like that so if you i won't do anything bad to my community because i'm part of my community Mm -hmm. So in order for me to help my community grow, I'm going to help me grow. So that's part of the restorative intake process. Something we all created on our own. And then I'm just out here trying to help, help everybody be great. That's help. all I do is just try to push the envelope to be great. Absolutely. Absolutely. This conversation has been so wonderful, so funny, so uh, in your face. I love the fact that your content is always in your face. It's gut punching. It's gut wrenching. And I knew that you were going to be the person that was going to bring it home for us when it comes to the trauma of our friendships. Um, I thank you, my brother, for coming in and, and trusting me. I thank me you for the invite. Yeah. I appreciate you. Yeah, I appreciate you. I'm sorry you. with the Wi-Fi stuff. <laughs> That's okay. We, we definitely, um, we worked it out. I appreciate you for coming in and giving me your experience 
your sphere of, of influence and your expertise when it comes to your therapy, what you do for our community. We thank you for what you do for our community and we appreciate what you do for our community. To my Heal Black Joy tribe, thank you guys for tuning in as always on Thursday nights at 8 p.m. Thank you guys for being fully engaged into this conversation. Like he said, let's just go out and be great. Let's go out and, and heal our black joy. One final thing, I always ask my people this, what does heal black joy mean to you? Heal black joy? Yes. It means um, healing the part of ourselves that we probably lost because everybody's not happy. And you know, it's like a smiling face isn't always a happy face and their heart is not always happy. Yeah. And it's like, if you heal that part of you, you're going to heal somebody else. Mm, mm, mm. Because what you, like I always tell people, what I'm going through has nothing to do with you. So I'm going to hold it in. I'm going to give you everything I got. Because you didn't do nothing to witness or go through any pain because of me. So I'm going to give you nothing but a smile and a helping hand. So heal Black Joy, that, that's what it means to me. Heal the part of you that's hurting so you can help shine light and brighten up someone else's day. Absolutely. So you guys, we're going to end on that. That was good for me. Uh, we're going to end on that. Thank you again, Damon, for coming on and sharing with our Heal Black Joy tribe. As always, you got a friend in us. Let us know if there's anything that we can do to help you on your journey in helping heal our community. Um, thank you. Be intentional about the real you. Absolutely. Yes. Being authentic is the most important thing you could do. I, I could be anything else in this world, but I, can, I always could be me. Absolutely. Like that, I got a bunch of street nicknames, but my, I'm always Damon at the end of the day. Thank you, and have a good night. Have a good night. Take care. Take care. Always remember that this healing journey, sometimes it's going to feel like soul food, and sometimes it's going to feel like war. I urge you to acknowledge and honor both positions and everything in between. Thanks for tuning into the Heal Black Joy podcast presents Soul Food and War.